0: Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and his unique plan for your life.
1: Well, some good stuff there, and we're glad you're here with us uh, as we continue in our series on Believe, looking today at humanity. There was a guy who was uh, praying. He said, dear God, so far today, I've done all right. I, I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy or grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm very thankful for that. But God, in just a few minutes, I'm going to have to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm sure going to need a lot more help. Amen. That's the way it feels sometimes, doesn't it? For for all of us, I suspect. And, And some of us may have this idea, especially if God is a new idea or something where we've had some struggles, that maybe he doesn't really care, or even that he's causing some of the things that happen to us in our lives, that he's out to catch us doing something wrong so that he can zap us. Too often, his life circumstances tempt us to, to think that way, to start going down that path. We begin to pull away from God, from a relationship with God, from having a commitment to Him. Maybe we've never had that. Maybe we did for a time and things have happened and it didn't seem to click and, and 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 all. Or we've had a relationship with Him, but we became put off by Him because of things that happened or even the idea of God because that's not a kind of God that we want to be around. But here's the thing. Are our feelings, our Are the circumstances of life around us, are are they perhaps fooling us? It's why as we've been going through this belief series, we said that the Bible is in fact the best revealer of God and his will for our lives, that it more clearly than anything else points to the truth. And we need that. We need something more authoritative in our lives than simply our feelings. Our feelings can go all over the board. It can go all kinds of different directions. And yet if we accept that the Bible provides this, then we have a a way, something authoritative that we can use to ground ourselves in in truth and not just our feelings. And that leads to our question today, our key question for this week. How does God see us? And to really understand that question, we we have to start back with affirming what's the problem that we all face. Scripture says everyone is sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And, and our sins mean we've, we've missed the mark that God has set out for us, the kind of lives that he originally intended in when he first created us. And, and not always just accidentally have we missed the mark. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we know we have chosen to go against things that God would want us to do. We've chosen it because we don't trust him or we like our results or what we think we will get out of it even more. So for selfish reasons, we're driven to that. And and God's standard, his just standard, if we're going to try to be right with him on our own, is perfection. It's no sin. It's, It's none of that. And none of us are capable of doing that. And so we discover, if we're thoughtful about this, that in fact we're left out. But God determined a way to balance his justice of doing what is right with mercy. He sent Jesus to take our punishment upon himself on the cross, to take our place. So our key verse, as as Jesse told us at the beginning of the service today, is John 3.16. I mean, it's probably the best-known verse, but it is because it is so important. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Here's what Scripture says then. God loves us. God, and and not like us, like a big group of people. He loves you and me. He loves us individually. We are precious to him. We matter to him. And and he loves us so much he has chosen to adopt us into his family, to be his children when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and and accept his sacrificial death on the cross as the forgiveness of for our sins. And and it wasn't simply a deal that that God somehow felt obligated to broker, that he he was supposed to do it or he had to do it. Jesus said, in fact, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's why he came. Jesus said this in the context of welcoming a tax collector named Zacchaeus into the kingdom of God after Zacchaeus had repented. He, He said this, and it was really important, the context here, because There were others around who could not believe that Jesus would welcome a sinner, that Jesus would go to the home of a sinner, a notorious sinner, someone who in collecting taxes went against the people. Jesus did this, though. In fact, he did it all the time. He went against public opinion and sympathies. Just a few chapters earlier in the same gospel, the gospel of Luke, Jesus was creating a stir for the same reason. In Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. In other words, we're not looking at a single occurrence here, like this just happened this one time and they caught him. They're saying this happened all the time. This was the way Jesus was. He was always going and hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. They were coming to him and he wasn't shunning them. It goes on to say this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Now, in our day, a lot of times we go to eat with people out of uh, practical reasons. We're hungry. Uh, there are co-workers. We want to make a deal or something like that. And, and so going to a meal doesn't necessarily convey that you're all in with the person you're going to, uh, um, to a meal with. But in the time of Jesus, that is exactly what it meant. It was a, It was a means of fellowship. You did not go to Eat with someone that you did not have like views and, and cared about. It was a it was a stain on your reputation. And here is Jesus, this this man of God, this rabbi, who is going to eat with Pharise- with, with uh, sinners and tax collectors. But Jesus tells them something. He tells these leaders, and he tells us, for that matter. Three quick stories in succession in this same chapter, Luke 15. He tells of a shepherd who leaves behind 99 sheep just so he can go find one sheep who was lost. He tells of a a woman who lost one of 10 coins and she stopped everything she was doing and sought it out. And finally, he told of a father who had two sons, and one of the sons rebelled, and as some of you have experienced a child rebel, rebel to the point of saying, I, I don't want you to be my father anymore. He sought his inheritance and left home. The shepherd, Jesus tells us, searches though. Even though there, he has 99, even though there's so much good still there, he leaves behind the 99 in order to seek and find the one lost sheep. The woman, even though she still has nine coins, stops what she's doing and searches until she finds the one lost coin. And the father, who has another son, continues watching and and looking until his lost son returns. In each of these parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, which we often call instead the prodigal son. In each of these, when that which was lost is found. There aren't any rebukes. There aren't, I told you you would come back to me. I, 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 I knew this would happen. Here's what it says. Chapter 15, verse 7. There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have stayed away. Verse 10. There is joy in the presence of God's angels, even when even one sinner repents. And by the way, if you're, a part, if you're new to Gateway, one of the things you need to do, we've got to know is that a couple of three weeks we're gonna have some baptisms as a part of our belief celebration. And you just need to know, these are not quiet affairs. These are times when we, we applaud and we celebrate and we uh, hoot and holler and, and make noise. Why? Well, because when we look at Scripture what does it say? When, when that which was lost is found, it says that the, the, there is joy in the presence of God's angels. And so we want to join in what God's angels are doing. We want to start practicing because if, for those of us who are followers of Christ, that's where we're going to be someday. And so we want to start practicing now how to celebrate to the, the heavenly way. And that's what heaven does is it celebrates when one who was lost is found. In verse 32, it says, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Jesus, in chapter 15 of Luke, he tells three stories in a row that each make a similar point. Something that we see Jesus do nowhere else in all of Scripture. He does this to make a bigger point to the religious leaders who thought it was wrong for him to hang out with tax collectors and notorious sinners. This is his point, that God loves us. God loves human beings. And, and he will seek and he will search for anyone, for, for any one. Notice that, one who is apart part for him because every one matters to him. Whether they, they never knew him, whether they they knew him at one point but they wandered off and got lost, or even if they dismissed God, they turned their back on him and said, I don't care about you anymore, I'm out of here. This God says he came to seek and save those who are lost. He never gives up. He never stops. That's what we've been singing about this morning. And it's a theme that runs through Scripture, whether it's God seeking the Jews or it's Jesus being so committed to seeking us that he would empty himself and be born flesh and blood on that first Christmas. God so loved the world. So here is our key idea today, this week. It is this, that I believe all people are loved by God and need Jesus Christ as their Savior. And and when we take that and we look at that and we claim that, then it leads us to a couple of other corollaries. First being, if God loves all people. In other words, not just the good people, the Christian people, the nice people, the ones who seem to be doing well. If he loves all people, then so should we. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. God loves everyone, every single one. Every person. He loves each one of you that are in this room right now. He loves the children. He loves the students in their places right now. But he also loves the people that are driving by on the street right now. He loves the people who partied all night and could care less what God thinks of them. And in fact, they dismiss him as not existing. He loves them as much In fact, he loves them as much as he loves you. He doesn't love them more than he loves you, but he doesn't love them less than he loves you. And Jesus commands us to do likewise, to love our neighbors, which leads to a second corollary that if we need Jesus Christ as our Savior, so do others. Those of us who have found Christ in our lives and have committed our lives to him we're not a unique case if God created all people and of all sin and fall short of the glory of God and Jesus is the answer in fact Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the Father except through me Jesus made that claim the, and, and the Apostles later affirmed it Peter said there is salvation in no one else other than Jesus Christ God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. If he's done that for everyone, that means we all are in that same boat. Now, sometimes people get offended by this claim. I've listened to people talk about it. Why do I have to have Jesus? I mean, but... I try to think about that sometimes. You know, what's an analogy to me that can kind of look at it differently? And it it occurred to me, maybe it's sort of like saying, okay, a few weeks ago Super Bowl was here in Houston, and and odds are most of us didn't go. But what if you didn't need a ticket to go to the Super Bowl? You didn't have to pay $3,000 or $5,000 or $15,000. It's just if you wanted to go... You could go. You could just walk in TNRG and and find a great seat. You know, first come, first serve. Some of those people paid all that money. You get their seat first. You snooze, you lose. You know, what if they did that? Are there folks who would think that was wrong? In fact, are there folks who would have let you in the gate without a ticket? That anyone... And everyone should just be able to go to the Super Bowl if they want to. And in fact, it's offensive and even discriminatory to say that they somehow have to buy a ticket to go see the Super Bowl right here in our own city. Now, is that what happened? Of course not. And something so much bigger happened. God has offered us the gift of salvation and eternal life. Even though we don't deserve it, we've done nothing in our lives in order to be able to earn it, but God offers us a way in through Jesus. He he, he says, I'm gonna open the gate for everyone through Jesus. That's not offensive, that's grace. Everywhere else you have to pay. Everywhere else you have to meet certain standards. In fact, it is the least discriminatory, discriminatory offer ever made. We don't have to be born in some place. We don't have to have some kind of status. We don't have to come from a certain kind of family. We don't have to come from the right side of the tracks or, or can't come from the wrong side of the tracks. We don't have to be born in a certain nation or have enough money or gone to a certain amount of school. It is a free gift of God's grace that simply has to be received. And here's the thing. If I don't deserve this gift, but by the grace of God, I've received it. And if if God does, in fact, love all people, not just me, then it stands to reason, And, and in fact, Scripture affirms this, that God desires to offer this same gift to everyone, not to some, not to the good people, not to the ones who are already in the door, to all It would be the height of arrogance for me to claim it as my exclusive right. Look, I bought the ticket. Look, I'm the pastor. Look, I ought to get it, and it doesn't matter about anyone else. In fact, out of gratitude for what God did for me in Christ that I could not earn, that I did not deserve, the true mark of this gratitude is for me then to help God by offering his free gift to others. It's to say, not just, look, I, by the grace of God, got to go into the game. But in fact, if you join me, you can come with me. And so again, I believe all people are loved by God. And all people need Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's where Scripture leads us as we've been walking through in this Believe series. So what difference does that make? In how I live. In other words, how would my life change if I begin to see people, if I begin to see a person, not just a group of people, if I begin to see each person the way God sees them, not just my friends, but also some of the people I've never met, people I don't like, people who offend me, people who have hurt me? How have I seen them differently? How would our world change? If each one of us truly believed, every person needs Jesus Christ. Well, realizing God loves all people, first, we would value all human life. From conception to death, to place a very high value on human life. And and all stages of life, you know? Uh, Not just the young or not just the old. I mean, sometimes we get caught up in whatever age group we're in that, that we're in and that other age group doesn't get it. But that other age group was created by God. Just as my age group was created by God. We're all in this together. So no matter what age, what stage, what form, God loves every single life. In Psalm 139, it says, For you, O Lord, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Too often, human beings have dismissed people different from them whether it's because they're from another nation or another state or another city or their appearance doesn't line up with the kind of people I want to hang around with or their social status or their race or their mental state or their age, you you name it. We human beings are really good at coming up with ways of creating divisions between us and other people. We can always figure out a way to draw a line between us and somebody else. But as Christ followers, we believe that God values all human life, that every human life he has created, whether it is a, uh, the, what we would consider a perfect life or an imperfect life. God has created it all. And yet some people have gone so far as to try to wipe out entire groups, genocide. But we believe God values every human life, and so we do too. It's not ours to give. Nor is it ours to take away. And we even work to protect those who are unable to protect themselves, whether they're in the womb or in their in the nursing home or anywhere else in between. We see then next and treat all people the way God sees and treats them. God loves every person. And and Jesus commands us to do likewise. Sure, there there are folks that are easy for you and me to love. There are people that we like. There are people we hang out with and all. But there are also folks where it's hard. In fact, it can be incredibly hard. In fact, it can feel impossible to love. The person who backstabs us at work or gets us fired. That that in-law who has never had anything nice to say about us and always finds something to pick on. Or that kid at school who always picks on my child. Some of us grew up in environments where, where it was normal to hate people who were different from us because of where they grew up, what color of their skin, the way they talk, how much education they do or they don't have. That can often impact how we see others. In fact, sometimes it can become so much a part of our growing up it's really hard to even discern that we see things that way until we're around others who challenge and encourage us to see life differently. Something I, I discovered along the way, and I didn 't come up with this, but hurting people hurt people. We find all the time people who can be harm, hurtful to us and, 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 and yet if we look beyond their actions to see why they might be hurting whether they might be reacting out of things going on in their lives as god does it may not excuse their actions but it can help us be more kind and more loving maybe in fact god can use us to help them take a step outside their hurt to go go further or or maybe they lash out at us, and our temptation is to, to dismiss them or, or, or lash back or throw a few choice words their way. A few choice words toward one whom Jesus died for, whom God loves. One of the troubling ways that human beings often live out our, this sinful nature in us is that we start seeing other people as things, things to be used things to be manipulated for personal gain, for pleasure, because that's what we do with things. We use things, but not people. But how often do we see someone at work as just a cog who can get me ahead in my job or help me to get that raise? How often can we look at someone of a different race or a different culture and lump them in with everyone else as these people? How often can we look at members of even the opposite sex? You know, pornography is nothing more than turning people, individuals, human beings created by God, loved by God into things to be used for personal pleasure. We're not thinking of that, that man or that woman on the, on the screen or page as a human being, as someone created by God, as someone Jesus died for, as we start looking at it, but rather as a means to an end, as something that can help me derive pleasure in this life, something to satisfy. And yet, when we do that, there are so many destructive consequences for everyone involved. For those who get pulled into that kind of lifestyle because they believe that they have no value, they have no worth. For those who manipulate or use people for those very purposes. Often it ends up, I mean, some of these people even end up being trafficked, human trafficking, because. They don't see themselves as any more than things, or others see them simply as things. And this is rampant in our world. It's not just what a few people do. This is not just what men do. It's what women now do too. And we look at it and we say, oh, it's no big deal. It's just a little little phase. It's just, you know, that's what boys do. But there are now scientific evidence to prove that it actually begins to distort the brain there's evidence that it begins to change how we see people and how we use people. That it can damage relationships and marriages and lives. It is an addiction for some. But for even for those who it's not, any time we take one whom God created, beloved by God, precious to God, who has been through maybe we don't know what, and now we see them as a thing. Anytime we objectify people, turning them into things, we find it easy to rationalize hateful, hurtful actions. Yet if even those who hate God are still loved by Him, His command and example for us is to do likewise. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were in the midst of our sin, while we were still the problem opposed to God and his ways. He loved us and has treated us far, far better than we deserve, even promising eternity with him apart from All the pain and suffering of this life for those of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ. Not because then it it comes naturally to us, but because God loved us and has treated us so much better than we've ever deserved. Followers of Jesus Christ seek to see every person we encounter the way God sees them, and to seek to treat them the way God seeks to treat them. And finally, We are compelled to tell all people about Jesus. I mean, how many of us have told a friend about a great movie? You know, we went and saw, man, it was so good. You need to go see it. Or we've been to a restaurant and it was a great food. You need to go try it right away. Or there's this new song on Pandora and you need to hear it. Why do we do that? We do that because we found something that we like, something that made a difference in our lives, and if it's something we like, something that made a difference for us, we think it might make a difference for them. It might be something worthwhile for them to experience. Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, have discovered the greatest news in the history of the world. That God loves us. God loves each and every one of us. Carl Menninger, who opened the Menninger clinics uh, in the last century, said if he could ever convince people in his clinics simply that God loved them, he said 90% of them could go home the next day. This reality is so important that he not only loves us, but he desires we experience abundant life now and eternal life forever with him by receiving Jesus Christ into our lives as Savior and Lord. And I tell you this, not so much like it's some kind of guilt trip, where if I don't do this, I'm a bad person, but rather look at it in a different way. Look what God has done for me. And out of gratitude for all God has done for me, how would I not want to tell others this good news? How would I not want to share something that has changed my life? There are all kinds of implications. The the apostle Peter said, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So when should we we be prepared? Scripture says always. And what should we give them? We should give them an answer. And and who should be prepared to give that answer to? Everyone who follows Jesus. And what is that answer? What is the reason for our hope? It is Jesus himself, who is Lord of all, who who came because he loves us, who died for us, that we might find eternal life through him now and forever. And when we share this answer, this gospel, gospel simply means good news, when we share it in any situation where God opens a door for us, we have the opportunity to change a person's world by opening the door to them that they are loved, that they don't have to go out and do things to get somebody else to love them, that they don't have to worry about how they're going to get through the next day because God loves them. We get so caught up in feeling like we've got to meet somebody else's standards. We've got to be approved by somebody else. We've got to be liked by somebody else in order to do our best. And the one who it matters does love us and his love will never change. It's not based on good or bad. It's not based on where you were born or where you're from. It is a constant. And as we accept that into our lives, we have the opportunity to offer that to others, to change their hearts, their lives, their legacies. And in doing so, it helps us become more loving as we learn to love others as Christ first loved us and continues to love us. Listen, I guarantee you that right now there is someone in your circle of influence who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. There is someone who is not convinced or doesn't understand the implications that God loves them, that he cares about them, that they are precious to him, that there is nothing they've done that is so bad that it cannot be forgiven. There is nothing so inherently wrong with them that God cannot overcome in them. There is someone in your circle of friends, probably many people, but there's at least someone who needs to hear that good news. And in fact, on this insert, this sermon notes insert on the back near the bottom is a question. Who is there right now in your circle of influence who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? And you ought to write down a name. You ought to think of someone or some ones. God has placed people In your life, and given you the opportunity to share your story of what Jesus did in your life and how Jesus can impact their life. You're a missionary. And here's the thing you are already exactly where you need to be. You don't have to go somewhere else, you don't have to go across the world, you don't have to even go across town. You are already exactly where you need to be to be in a position to share that good news that God loves them, that he cares, that they matter. Because there are people dying to hear that. There are people who just find it hard to believe. And your love, even when they reject it, even when they dismiss it, even when they belittle you, your continued love, is exactly what God did in you and me. Jesus said he came to seek and save those who are lost. The, the, the shepherd left behind the 99 in order to seek the one lost one. The father never gave up on his son returning home. God has never given up on you and he has never given up on that person in your circle of influence that you might be able to make a difference Do you have to have all the answers? No. All you have to do is be able to tell your story. This is the way I was. This is what Jesus did in my life. And this is how things are now. is everything perfect right now? Do you have to have a perfect life right now? Of course not. I don't have a perfect life. Billy Graham doesn't have a perfect life. Mother Teresa didn't have a perfect life. There's still hurts and there's still struggles in this life. But there's a difference when Christ is in them and there is a peace that passes all understanding. Versus a life that seems hopeless and endless. And it's not about making a person a target. Like you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you as a notch on my belt. Because what have we done? We've just turned a person into a thing. Who knows if God will use you to be the one to help a person come to faith in Christ. In fact, because we have free will, the reality is there will be some who will not come to faith in Christ in this life. And they will have to live that out in the other eternity. But that was their choice. Our responsibility is to share what we've received. You know, to watch for opportunities, to, to ask a question, to, to tell someone when, when something bad happens to them, you know, hey, I am so sorry, I'll pray for you. Hey, can, you know, I'm, I'd be happy to listen if you want to talk. It, it, it's not about going, being obnoxious. It's not about being in your face. It's about being kind and loving with someone right in your circle. Invite them maybe to church or to your small group or just pray for them. We're about a, just under a month out from Easter and, and it's a time when a lot of folks are more open to an invitation and we're gonna be providing you some resources soon but maybe there's someone right now that you need to be praying for that's all, that you put on a list and you just watch for that opportunity to tell them the good news that you have found because you will never know how God can use you to bless others until you try. You you don't know how God has been already working in their life and the lives of others, and you may think there's nothing I can do, but until we try, we will never know But because we believe God loves all people, and every person needs Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. You are right where you need to be to share that with someone. And, and you have done that and some of you, many of you have experienced someone else doing that. In fact, here's a story of one of you who's just experienced this in the last year, watch.
0: Hello, my name's Iled and I've been attending Gateway since April 2016. So when I, when I first got here, um, you know, I sat down in the very third in the third row, um, which was was very intimidating. Like I said, because of the size of the auditorium, um, and I was introduced to a couple of people around me. And then I remember when Randy first started preaching, and everything that he said was was what I needed to hear in my heart that day. And it felt very at home. I felt very at peace. Um, I remember meeting Randy at first steps um immediately afterwards and and how welcoming he was and i thanked him for what he had said and he was kind of taken aback he didn't under, he didn't know why i was thanking him because he didn't know my story but um i felt very at home here um being a gateway um gave me that missing piece that i didn't even know was was missing to be honest um Like I said, the sense of family and friends and the community, um, it filled this void, and I feel like I'm walking God's path that he wants me on, where before I was just kind of stumbling around. um, And being here, there's just so many people from different aspects of life that I don't feel like I'm singled out. I feel like I'm one of the team. I know that. No matter how small of a thing I do, whether it's down at Kidstown or at Next Steps, I'm helping someone somewhere, whether I see it or not. God has changed my life while at Gateway by showing me His, His love, honestly. I was this lost little sheep and, you know, through Gateway and through, their, through the teachings and the groups and the family I've, met, I've made here, um, it's made me want to become a better Christian. I've, I started reading the Bible every day and you know I, I feel like I'm growing as a person and you know I'm trusting him more than I did before
1: and what's so wonderful is that I mean I would say I didn't know what I didn't have and one of you uh, a woman named Birgit a co-worker invited her and she came and God did so much. And, and now she's, she's a volunteer here. She's doing a lot of things. All of this just in, in less than a year. You and I just don't know. We don't realize how God is working, how much he loves others. And how he would love to work in and through us, right in our circle of friends, to make a difference. If, if we truly believe the truth that our beliefs have consequences, that what we're looking at here in, in this belief is teaching us about God, then, then the reality that God loves everyone means there's no one that he doesn't care about no one that doesn't matter to him, no one that he doesn't want to work more in. And you and I can be used by him. In fact, I want to suggest to you that you can be used by him more than, than me. If we went around this room and asked people, who helped you come to faith? There would be very few of you who would raise your hand say the preacher or Randy or something like that. But, but almost all of you would point to a friend or a family member or a coworker or somebody or somebody's that lived it out alongside you, that was just there, that helped you know and understand. They they aren't supermen or super Christians. they're, They're followers of Jesus Christ, like you, who've experienced the love of God and have chosen to let that flow out of them into the lives of others. That it's not just about me but in fact, I find my meaning more of my meaning and purpose in life when I share that good news with others. God wants us to look who's in our circle. Who can he use us to break through or to pray for or to just say a kind word in the midst of a lot of stuff in their life. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the joy, the promise, the hope that we carry out with us. In just a moment we'll be leaving. But if you want to talk with someone about this, our prayer team will be down here. If you haven't welcomed Jesus into your life, you haven't experienced uh, a peace or didn't realize what you didn't know. They would love to talk with you here in just a minute. If you want to find out how you can take a next step, right out of these doors is our next steps area. And that's, in fact, where I would often volunteers and serves when he's not down, she's not down in our children's area. And I and some friends will be out here at our first steps area, and we'd love to say hello to you just as we did then. Not because I'm anything special, but because I, like each one of us, is trying to simply do what God has lifted us up to do, And put us in a place to do. And when all the pieces work together. God does amazing things. Would you join me as we pray. Heavenly Father thank you for each and every soul in this room today. For you created each one. You love each one. There are no exceptions. No matter what thoughts may run through our mind. Even right now. You love us. And love us so much that you would sacrifice your son for us. Father help us to embrace that truth. For ourselves, but but beyond ourselves to recognize that it's true also for those around us in all of our circles of influence. So that, Father, we pray that you would use us to be your hands, your feet, your voice. That, that just as we went, to, many of us went out to serve last week, we would look for ways to serve each day, to express your love, your kindness, your gentleness, to pray for others, to be there to come alongside, to encourage that they may experience your love, that they may know that they are worthy of your love, that they are valued, that Jesus died for them too. Help us to share that good news, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. He loves every one of you.
0: To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.